Welcome to Writing the Wrong Way, where uh, we're normally talking about lots of different writing issues, our writing works, our writer's work, how the best writer's risk being strange. But today I am talking about Brian Fitzpatrick, not about his work, although he has you know some great work, or about my work, but about The Legend of Zelda. <laughs> we're both very excited about The Legend of Zelda uh, having a new game coming out. Uh, yeah, who Tears of the be? Kingdom. Who wouldn't it be? Well, I don't know who wouldn't it be, Ryan, because since I was a kid, I've been obsessed with The Legend of Zelda. So uh, Ryan and I were just, you know, we're often kind of texting back and forth about video games and other things. And so, um, so often, of course, it's The Legend of Zelda, <laughs> specifically Breath of the Wild, um, which, you know, I, I really became obsessed with. Um, but right now I'm actually, you know, not only am I waiting my tears of the kingdom copy that I pre-ordered, but I'm re I'm playing um, breath of the wild some more. And like also we're, we're both doing replays of breath of the wild. Yeah, like... Well, I'm not really replaying it myself so much as I'm just continuing to play it. <laughs> Cause my, <laughs> I've got so that game is so huge that even though I beat the game and have spent like 120 hours playing the game on the same save file, uh, I still haven't even explored thirty percent of the map. Uh, like it's unreal how massive that game is. If people haven't played it, it's a, a huge game. Um, but also, like you know, I say, like I was just a fan of Zelda since I was a kid. I replayed the first Zelda recently. I replayed the third Zelda recently. I'm playing on the some of the Game Boy Zeldas that I missed. Um, you know. Uh, recently, uh, I'm in playing Oracle of Seasons right now, and Breath of the Wild uh, some more as I'm kind of you know. And I was doing this before they announced Tears of the Kingdoms a date, uh, so I've just been digging into them off and on all the time. But anyway, uh, we just want to talk about Zelda, but also I think there's something to be said for just sort of the writing and storytelling side of Zelda in my view so we don't have to maybe dwell on that per se but i i do want to talk about zelda in a couple ways and so let me just start though with asking you ryan what do you want to talk about in terms of zelda? Um, i know you've got some real specific i've got a bunch i was i i thought you've already you've already done some of this but i thought it would be useful to start just by talking about uh what our experiences with the game the games are yeah totally. like because we probably haven't because I know I haven't, I've played most of them, but I haven't finished very many of them. And but there are some I haven't played, and there's some others that I would think are better, better games or better Zelda games. But sure, well, for me, of course, you know, I, um, I mean, I grew up. Uh, my first system was an Atari, uh, twenty six hundred, and then quickly after that, you know, when I could, I got a Nintendo, an NES, right. And so one of the first games, like many people, one of the first games I ever played uh, was Zelda, Legend of Zelda. And then, you know, Legend of Zelda 2. And then when the Super Nintendo came out, I mean, the big drive, the push for me to get my, for, for my parents to get a Super Nintendo was so that I could play the Legend of Zelda um, Link to the Past. And then um, really, I kind of like fell off playing Zelda games that point because i never had a game boy so i kind of missed anything they released on game boy um and i never and then i kind of you know 
moved out basically. And uh, it was too poor. I didn't have my systems anymore. Uh, you know, they had my, I, we'd actually, I, I'm very much regretting it now. <laughs> we had actually, we had like sold them to our aunt for like 30 bucks or something. Me and my brother. And, um, you know, who knows what happened with them after that point. But, uh, but then like, I just didn't have any video game systems for the longest time. I think the next system I had was the PlayStation two. I jumped to PlayStation, uh, because of the final fantasy series. And then, you know, uh, I didn't really get into Nintendo again until the Wii came out when I was in Calgary, um, where I met you. And so when the Wii came out, I was, you know, I, I, it, it was impossible to get a Wii for a little while. I actually ended up importing one from the US and paying like all these massive fees and stuff. But then, you know, I had a Wii. And so because I had a, the Wii, I missed everything in between the Super Nintendo and the mm. Wii. So any, so then uh, for that reason, the next Zelda game I played ended up being um, Twilight Princess when they I had, I think, remade it for the Wii. I can't remember exactly. Um and then, you know, that game was, I, if for me, I can't remember the details of the release schedule for Zelda, but like I, it was the first one where you kind of were not top down for me I, or the first one they did. I'm not sure, but it was the was, first one for you. There were, there were, three, yeah, I thought there was another one before. before. So I missed all those. Yeah, that's right. That's because, because I missed the GameCube, right? Yeah. And then, um, so then I started, I was playing, so I missed all the Zelda games that were on the GameCube. And then I uh, got Twilight Princess. And then, you know, I was obsessed with that. You know, I just thought it was amazing. And then, you know, I then, you know, but then again, you know, fast forward, I missed everything else until the Nintendo Switch came out. Mm. And then Breath of the Wild was re-released on the Nintendo Switch. So those that's kind of, and, and it was simply because I didn't have the systems. Yeah. <clears throat> and I was playing, because um, again, I had my jaunt with the PS2, um, and then, you know, I never had a PS3. I, I, again, I kind of, at this point now I've got like all sorts of sh stuff. Like I've got the, the switch, I've got a PS5, you know, I had a PS4 before that, but I quickly like switched it for a PS5 and I've got the steam deck. Um, so I've got like, you know, more giveaway games than I can deal with these days, but I, um, you know, I just ended up missing games because I didn't have the consoles for them. And it's been really great lately. I also bought a Pocket lately. It's, it's like this emulator that you can put um, Game Boy games in it, like mm. actual cartridges in, and it plays them like it's a Game Boy. Well, it's not technically a Game Boy. So I've been playing, like I say, the Oracle of Seasons. So I, like, I caught up on Nintendo Switch with the port of um, Link's Adventure, um, and I caught up. I've, I've started catching up a little bit. I started trying to catch up a bit with some of the emulator ones that they've re-released on the switch yeah. online thing, Nintendo online stuff. And then I got this game boy to play these games that now, unfortunately for me, because I you know spent all this money <laughs> playing them the special way, but now that they just put them out on the game boy online stuff, but, but yeah, so I kind of like kept missing ones uh, yeah. and I didn't really get to see the evolution really cleanly, you know? But so to me, it was like a revelation. Like every time, again, like when Twilight Princess came out, I was like, I totally unprepared for that. Because you hadn't played, because you hadn't played Ocarina of Time. Exactly. Like I went from like the third one right to the, to that. Uh, and then, you know, again, from that, I went to Breath of the Wild. 
and which you know just I could have it just floored me. I hadn't played hardly any real. I had not played an open world game. Yeah. So never mind. I hadn't played Dark Souls. Nothing. You know, like uh, so it just you know blew my mind, and it's still like even now that I've kind of caught up with stuff because I kind of you know just for varied reasons was kind of in and out of gaming yeah in the course of my life you know but uh man i gotta tell you i'm so excited to be back in <laughs> especially with, <laughs> like actually at one point i was trying to decide between should i buy a nintendo switch or a playstation 4 because i was going to commit to a new to a new video game system at that point yeah. i still have my wii which i still have um but i was like you know i should buy a new video game system and i was trying to decide between the two and what decided me on the Switch over the PS4 was Zelda. I was I was just saying like I think I was talking to you or like what should I buy and just I think you had said well which what games do you want to play? <laughs> and I was like well obviously Legend of Zelda. So that just made the decision for me if I could only buy one console it'd be the Switch simply so I could play the new because I had heard there was a new Zelda game out. Yeah, I didn't even know anything about it. I just knew. It. But here's the thing. I literally bought a console to play Breath of the Wild. I didn't even know what Breath of the Wild was. Yeah. I just knew it was a Zelda game. So how about you? What's your kind of path? Uh, I think my path is like, I was going to say like, oh, my path is really similar, but I think my path is maybe a little less less spotty. Uh, so I've got, uh, I, was, I was thinking about it and I noticed like on my shelf, I've got like four NES cartridges. Uh, that I've held on to. I don't have anything I can play them on. Although I, I think I have access to all the games anyway. And the four games that I've held on to for whatever reasons are Super Mario 1 and 3, uh, yeah. Final Fantasy, the first one, and The Legend of Zelda. And um, they're all... I think three of them are the copies that I had when I was a kid. I think Zelda I I didn't have for whatever reason. And I the copy I have is a copy I bought at a garage sale for $5. Um, so there, it might not even work. Who knows? Uh, but, uh, but I think those are the games that, uh, when I've kind of chased games as an adult, uh, those, when I've thought about consoles, those are the games I've kind of chased. Um, and I think Zelda has been the heaviest, mm -hmm. although there was points where I was more interested in Mario. Um, but, uh, so I started like you, I played, uh, when I had my NES which was my first console because my parents wouldn't buy me an Atari because they had heard uh, that if you had an Atari, it would burn images under your TV screen. <laughs> um, but they, that they, they heard the, somebody convinced them that the Nest wasn't going to do that. Even though I think if you left the TV on long enough, it probably would. Um, so one of the first games I had was Legend of Zelda and I was obsessed with it and I wasn't very good at it. Uh, I think... I maybe got, I think I found a lot of the dungeons, but I don't think I beat any of the dungeons past like level four. I don't think I ever found the master sword. Um, like I didn't get very far, but it was like that kind of like wandering around looking for stuff and exploring was the thing I was excited for with that. Let's um, just pause it one second yeah. here and remind people how hard it was to play video games at that time. Like it was just one, the games were very very difficult like they were designed to be to take you a long long time to yeah. beat if you ever beat them because of course you know there just weren't other games <laughs> there just weren't that many games so they wanted you know you to buy the next one but they also wanted you to just 
not stop playing until they had time to put the next one out. Yeah. Uh, but also it was just, so it was one, it was just like the games were harder in many ways than they are this today. But also, like you just didn't have resources. Like you could buy a Nintendo Power magazine or something. Or I think they used to back in the day have that phone line you could call. Yeah, I can't imagine ever getting away with phoning that phone line. My parents. No, I couldn't either. But like, but yeah, but but that is like how you would get. You couldn't just go online and like Google how to beat. Where's the next dungeon in Zelda? You'd literally have to call Nintendo and ask them, or like you know find out from a friend or do what I did. Like, well, in the dungeons. Because people you don't know, forget that in Legend of Zelda, like it doesn't like there's no obvious direction or plan for you to go and do anything. Yeah, really, like you just are kind of exploring. And so, like I remember, I had to like me and my brother, we had to literally like draw maps. Like every screen would be a square, and we'd draw mm. like the map, and we'd have to like make a map of what was going on. Because otherwise, it was an almost impossible to play the game or remember what was where anything was um so you know just just to kind of when people when you say that like you never got past that these sort of earlier points of the game you know i 100 percent. i think that might be confusing for somebody who's like younger and like (laughs) playing games now but that makes perfect sense to me yeah well, and also, like, I just wasn't very good. So I think, like, one of the things that stopped me up in one of the dungeons was the dark nuts, like the knights. Yeah. Where you had to get behind them. I'm like, there's too many of them and they're too fast. So I think I, one of the many times in my life where I've, like, rage quit a game um, sure. was that game. You might also uh, have wandered into the dungeon way too early. Yeah. Which, of course, the game ha- is totally okay with you doing. Um. So I played that, and then uh, I never owned a copy of Zelda 2, but I think I remember renting it, because, of course, that was the way you played most of your games back in the day. Uh, and I remember bouncing off it. I've played it since, and I'm not very good at it, but it's Zelda 2 is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could talk about that later if you want. Uh, and then uh, Link to the Past is one I never owned, like the Super Nintendo one. Uh, I rented it, and I... I got a copy later when I was an adult and I hundred percented it as an adult. And it was like this kind of revelation of how good the game actually was. But I do remember as a kid renting it and that the opening of link to the past was like mind blowing. Cause it was like, it's raining and it's moody and you have to like infiltrate the castle. And it's like, uh, it was the opposite of like the opening of the first Zelda game in that it it gave you this story direction and there's only so much you can do in the opening hour of of uh, Link to the Past. Um, it might be one of the best openings of any game ever. Uh, so I played that and then uh, and then I kind of uh, I was way more obsessed with uh, Final Fantasy, like Final Fantasy two, uh, and. Um, and I went through like a PC phase for a while. So like Doom and stuff like that. And then uh, when I was in university, I just wasn't playing. I think the closest I got was I was working at a video store uh, and I bought a Nintendo 64 for like dirt cheap from my boss. And I had two games for it. One of them was Ocarina of Time, uh, which of course is, I don't know if it's Zelda 4 or Zelda 5. At a certain point, we stopped paying attention to numbers. And it was, it was, it's, you should go, you should go back and play that one. Cause it's, I think it holds up, but at that point it was like mind blowing. Cause it's the first 3d one. 
so like a lot of the stuff that gets codified in Twilight Princess and get where they really develop it and like make the dungeons really elaborate is kind of like sketched out in Ocarina of Time. Um, and then the next one I played, I didn't really play Majora's Mask. I didn't play any of the Game Boy ones until much later. Uh, and the next one was like, I somehow scrounged up the money to, um, to buy a GameCube. And um, one of the games I bought was The Wind Waker. And The Wind Waker was this kind of like, it became my comfort game for a while. I was doing student teaching and like, I would like be exhausted and I would sit in front of the TV for a half hour a night, just like playing this game where you're sailing as Link on an ocean. And I actually think a lot of the DNA of Breath of the Wild is in The Wind Waker. So I wish they would put that on Switch so you could play that one. Um, and then after that, I was kind of like, I made sure at very least I played all the 3D ones. Uh, the Game Boy ones, I think I have most, I didn't play the Oracle games until much later and then never, didn't get very far into them. Uh, but I did like camp out for a Wii so I could play uh, Twilight Princess. Um, and then I played, um, and I think I had a DS. So I played the DS ones, which are very bad. Um, and I played Skyward Sword, which is very bad, but interesting. As I said in one of my texts to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I was and then like, I had kind of like fallen off Zelda a bit. Uh, until until Breath of the Wild and Breath of the Wild kind of renewed. You my played interest. on Wii U, right? Like you didn't. You played it earlier than I did. Which one? Breath of the, Breath Wild. Of the Wild. They came out at the same time. Oh, did they? Okay. I did play it earlier than you, but they came they came out on the Wii U and the Switch at the same time. It's the same okay. thing that happened with Twilight Princess. Like I could have played Twilight Princess on the GameCube. Sure. Interesting. So. I mean, let's kind of maybe dive into a couple specific th things. Yeah. Here at this point, um, um, let's. Um, you you mentioned the start of a couple of the Zelda games right there. I think maybe a good place to kind of start uh, is with the kind of openings of some of these games. And so you you, you know, one of my things that I always think about, I always think about this. From a writing perspective and even just game design. Mm. So I've got like here in my hand, I bought the um little handheld Zelda. This is like Zelda one in a little tiny thing. Uh game and watch they call it for some reason. But if you like start this game, like I'll just here literally if I start this game, it you know shows me the first screen. There's like a cave you can walk into. Now if you don't walk into the cave, you wander up here. You get killed by these guys because you have no weapon. Yep. If you go left, you get killed by those guys. You go right, you get killed by those guys. You, you just run around until you die, or you walk into this cave. And what do they do, of course, in this cave? This is the most one of the more famous openings. You're just a guy with a sword. It's dangerous to go alone. Take this. That's the that's it. Yeah. That's your introduction to the game. And it's 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 so brilliantly economical because it doesn't start you in that cave. You know, it doesn't start you with a guy handing you a sword and saying, it's dangerous to go alone and take this. It lets you have the option to go in the cave, which of course you obviously uh, 
might want to do since it's within the screen you're on is the only thing yeah. you can do within that screen. Eventually you're going to go into the cave, <clears throat> even if it's not the first thing you do. Yeah. Even if, I mean, it, it's, it's queuing you to go in there as the first thing, because there's nothing yeah. else you can do on this screen. Uh, but if you decide not to, for some reason, you do have the option to not do it. And then you can immediately see the consequence of not doing it. Right. <laughs> you know, you're, you're at the disadvantage. What are you going to do? I need a weapon to kill these guys. You know, and then, you know, here, either you die and are returned to that screen and then you go in the cave. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, you make your way back to it or, or whatever you figure it out at some point. It, it's, it's so economical. It's such brilliantly simple uh, design where it's, but it's cueing you rather than forcing you to do yeah. something. And it is very um, simple on one level. Like even just the phrase, it's dangerous to go alone take this like it's so uh tightly struck like it's so tightly constructed as a yeah. sentence or two, or two sentences um you know there's no extra words in there and it's just uh gets to the heart of like either what you just experienced which is you know that is dangerous to go around without a sword or um you know just as a kickoff you know hey here's a sword here's why i'm giving it to you yeah. Um, right. There's you know, only like... <laughs> there's only a few games that I name that have like openings. Like I don't I don't know if there's a game that I know of that has an opening so narratively like tight. There are games that I think like mm -hmm. do very good jobs of like teaching you how to play them in like the opening moments. Like I think like Super Mario One is one, which is the same uh, game designer, by the way. Yeah, I think Doom is another. Like the opening level yeah. of Doom, like shows you almost everything you need to know about like how to play that game. But but here's the other great thing about that Zelda opening for me: it's it's so narratively tight, but at the same time, you don't know what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Outside of like get the sword and then what? Yeah. Well, you just it, you go. You're now you got a sword. You can go around and f you have to figure it out. Like you don't know what you're supposed to do in this game. Yeah. You just have to literally, and you're never told. By the way. People yeah. forget this because it's so foreign too to how we deal with games now. And you have these yeah. opening sequences that are so long and tell you so much story and give you so much to do. Um, there's just literally no explanation ever in this yeah. game of what you're supposed to do ever. You just have to kind of, you gotta, you don't even know that you're supposed to go into dungeons and until like, you find one, <laughs> until you find one. And then you're like, you could find the wrong one. You know, because they're 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 escalating in their difficulty, but they yeah. don't necessarily escalate in terms of how hard it is to get into them. Like some of them, you can't open until you get certain objects, but a lot of them you just stumble into. You know, yeah. It's really uh, to me like it's so fat. I mean, at the time, it I didn't even think much about it because games were sort of a bit more um, like that in some respects. Yeah, but you know, you just have to learn like a lot of and the story of the game basically was outside of the game it was in the instruction book yeah that's the other thing that's actually a very good point out if you didn't have if you had the instruction book you would you had that story and you had yeah. a bit more queuing uh because these instruction books really used to be instruction booklets um i i do a lot of freelance work with the um company called special reserve games which is a division which is is part of devolver digital and one of the things we do because we make physical editions of um of uh, certain you know developer games uh, but one of the things that i'm uh, kind of in charge of in some respects is co-creating these instruction booklets that, that we do so it's very important um for 
the company that we do instruction booklets. It's like a big, you know, collector's kind of item, but also it's like, you know, so it's so like, I'm mostly dealing with the text and some of the design concepts. And, and so like, uh, we did a game recently, a physical only game called Demon Throttle. And it was a real discussion with the developers about like how to handle the instruction booklet. Cause they really wanted it to be like that, like an old school instruction booklet. It's like mm -hmm. you get information from the instruction booklet that you might not actually get in the game, you know, and they hit it a, we hit a code in the instruction booklet, with, you know, that you can only reveal with heat sensitive ink and all this cool stuff. But like that used to be a really, those instruction booklets are rarely made anymore. Yeah. One at all. Uh, and when they are made, they're often, they just don't necessarily have the same function they used to have. Yeah. Where, because so much of that has been, you know, t for, for good reasons, so much of that has been taken over by like wikis and things like that. But you know, it, it's it's a very different approach to storytelling in these old games, especially in a game like Zelda. And as you say, by the time you jump ahead to something like Zelda Three, and that opening is completely different. Yeah. Um, but it is a brilliant opening in its own. Well, and it's it's way. economical in a different way. I think mm -hmm. like it kind of it directs you a lot. Um, and I don't think it's I don't think it's better or worse <laughs> than the Zelda One opening. No, I, I, I mean, my favorite Zelda game is the third one. Yeah. Um, well, me too. Yeah. And so that's my favorite game of all time. Never mind my favorite Zelda game. But uh, one of the things that's so great about it, as you say, is, is that opening sequence is very engrossing. It's very immersive. It has a moodiness and an atmosphere to it that I, at least I don't remember being as common in games or as well done uh, at the time. I mean, maybe I'm just, it's my memories, but I think that I think that I think that generation that Super Nintendo because I was thinking about it like so, at some point last year I was replaying <laughs> I think I replayed the first twenty hours of Final Fantasy two no, uh, or Final Fantasy four, but um, that game like like has so many cutscenes in the first twenty minutes and it's like oh this is where this was invented like there's a little bit of that in the in the NES. Final Fantasy and then the Dragon Quest games, but like it's like cinematic at that point. And the opening talking... of the Zelda game is. I, I always get confused with the Final Fantasy series. Are you talking yeah. about the SNES game they the put SNES out? The SNES game, yeah. Okay, so that game is one of the fascinating things about that game, which, uh, you know, if, if people may not recall, is one of the selling points of that game at the time. Now it's not we're talking about Zelda, we're talking about Final Fantasy quickly, but as yeah. a detour. But one of the one of the selling points of that game at the time was they actually the Super Nintendo should not be able to run that game. It's actually designed in such a way that it has like higher resolution graphics than can be played on the Super Nintendo. But they nevertheless like somehow figured it like modded it in the cart or something so that it actually works. I forget the tech details, so some mm. you know. Someone can correct me on it, but I remember at the time it being like some there's some aspect of the game where it was like a you know a, it was a 32 bit game mm. in certain specs being played on a 16 bit system. Either the music or the graphics had been modded in some particular strange manner. Uh, so again, maybe my memory is faulty, but it was something weird like that. Like the capability of the machine at the time was you know and, and the games they were designing in that period were just amazing. Uh, particularly for the period and Zelda again to me was as much as I loved that Final Fantasy game like it didn't it didn't beat Zelda to me yeah you know um 
Well, let's let's move back to Zelda and like instead of talking about like good openings, yeah, maybe we should talk about one of these sword. Zelda games that has a bad opening. Yeah. Um, so, well, so I, I was gonna say we should talk about Twilight Princess because you played that. Because well, I think I went... the openings of Skyward Sword and Twilight Princess are really similar in their problems, but like so Twilight I can't Princess remember the opening of Twilight bit... Princess very well. So yeah. The only reason I know the opening of Twilight Skyward Sword well, yeah, is that I played. I get, I get, I missed that Skyward Sword originally when yeah. it came out. Um, and when I missed it, you know, and I came back to it later. I, I mean, they, what the reason I came back to Skyward Sword later is because they re released it. Mm. Um, and I bought it, of course, you know, excited for a new Nintendo Switch, uh, Zelda game. I, I know it was an old game, but I, it was new to me, right? And they had just kind of, I uh, think, remastered it and everything. Anyway, I, I put an hour into that game. I played the game for an hour. And after an hour, I still did not have a sword. And yeah. I remember distinctly, like, it was such, to me, like, again, I'm think back to, like, Zelda 1, right? Yeah. Where it's, like, literally the first thing you do is a guy hands you a sword. He says, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this sword. That's the narrative tightness of the, it and how quickly you get a sword. Yeah. Compa to me, Skyward Sword was just an absolute nightmare. Uh, it was yeah. the opposite of what I loved in Zelda, and I just quit playing the game. Now I hear that there's good things about that game later on, um, but uh, I wouldn't know because it took me an hour to get a sword, and I was like, "This isn't a Zelda game." No, like that—that that was what I was like. Because um, both of those games, like somewhere in between Zelda One and Skyward Sword, Nintendo slowly. Um, learns or thinks that suddenly it can't trust its audience like its games have gotten too complex um so it needs to like at the off the top tutorialize like for three or four hours before it gets to like the meat of the gameplay and then twilight princess is a bit easier to stomach i think the opening of that game is a bit more charming like i kind of like herding the goats in the catching the fish for the cat is kind of like silly but like it was kind of entertaining but you're right like the opening of skyward sword is you spend a lot of time talking to people and well and not getting to the meat of the action and it's not even that i again i i love so to me this is where breath of the wild really hit it yeah. right because Again, even though it's this open world, it's this three D uh, approach. Um, you 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 just are dropped into it. Yeah. Um, you're literally like just dropped in. The, you literally wake up in this world. You don't know what's happening. It becomes part of the story that you don't know where you are, what's going on, and it's yeah. different. And all this stuff has happened in the meantime since you was been asleep. You know, but you're just dropped in. And, like you got to figure it out, and you can. Uh, it's. I mean, it's such an open world game that, and it's like the first game. It there's a level of directionlessness to it. Yeah. Um. At a so you can, if you want, uh, just literally go to the final boss and fight him. And if you know, I don't know who can manage to do that, but people uh, do do it. People speed well, run that game and just you can. I think this. What's the speed run? What's the world record? It's at? like a handful of minutes. I I forget. It's less than half an hour. If it's I'm... under half an hour for sure. Yeah. To to again, because all they're doing is they're waking up, going to the final boss, killing him, and it's like I don't know 
I mean, I, I like, I'm not good enough to do, I'm not very good at playing video games, <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, but I do remember even on, on, on breath of the wild, like I was kind of following the storyline for a while, but then at a certain point I just stopped doing that and started doing side quests. And I yeah. think, I think I was texting with you at the time. Like I was, you were like telling me all these things that, you know, you're like, Oh, have you done this? Have you done this yet? And I'm like, Ryan, I've literally just been doing side quests for weeks. I have not advanced the story <laughs> for weeks, you know, cause I, I knew what I had to do. I just was like, well, before I go there, I'll just do some side quests, but there were no, there was no end to the side quests. Yeah. And it was just, you know, I eventually, I, and I was so having so much fun and, and you know, there, all the side quests in, in breath of the water, they just have a good amount of narration, like a narrative, yeah. like there's just enough narrative that you kind of know what you're supposed to do, but also it's interesting to follow the story a little bit, but then it's done. It's like, you know, a bunch of little shorts, flash fictions or short stories and some of them yeah. are longer, some of them are shorter, but you know, but you can just get your narrative fixed without really advancing the storyline. Well, this is something like I wanted to ask you about, uh, cause it, it often seems to me like there's, um, and I think this is true of a lot of video games, but I think Zelda's, um, Zelda's a good example to think about with this because game some of the games handle it in one way and others in another. And it's the idea that like there's almost two narratives going on at any given point. There's the kind of overarching story that the game wants you to take away, which is the story of like uh, Ganon has taken over the land and Princess Zelda has whatever. She's been kidnapped. She's in psychic battle, like whichever game it is. Um, and then there's the minute to minute story of the gameplay uh i think like mar with mario like games this is more striking because like you don't need like the princess being captured as an excuse because the narrative that ga that game is run to the right yeah like it's what like it's the things you're doing as you're getting there and i think zelda does that as well so i wanted to ask how you feel about that like yeah well like you say it, it's a different um so it's handled differently in different games. Now we should note that there are a couple exceptions to it, but for the most part, I think you're right to point this out. Yeah. For the most part, Zelda tells the exact same story every game, down to like who the boss is, yeah, and like you got to get the Triforce or whatever standing for the Triforce there is. It's like there's eight things. Or you got to get them. You got to get them at whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to get like, you got to do these dungeons, and all the dungeons are kind of like these little clockwork puzzles, uh, as well as kind of having some action to it. And then at the end of all that, you, you know, you end up fighting Ganon and you got to get a certain arrow, you know, like, I guess really precise. There's like a couple things you basically do in every game. Now, there's yeah. exceptions to that. Uh, like you got games like Link's Awakening where it's not really what you're doing. Well, Majora's um, Mask is the classic example of that because that game, that's a game I bounced off of three or four times. Because I like some, I, some people tell me it's their favorite of the Zelda games, and I and I and I really uh, I I feel that <laughs> I'm glad someone likes that game because that game is like if we think about narrative in those games, like it's really interesting because. That game's all all about assembling narratives because you live the three same three days over and over. So there are all these side quests where you're running around this town and figuring out people's daily routines and like you solve problems for them. At the same time, you're trying to like stop the moon from crashing into the earth, which is the overarching story of the game, right? Um, 
which and that I think that has a different kind of narrative stakes than like literally any other Zelda game. Well, so let's just jump back to your question though, which is, yeah. um, you know, oh, yeah, how how did the games handle differently or balance these sorts of? I mean, I I think of it as um, the main quest versus the side quests, yeah, right, which is kind of a pretty as those side quests again they they're they're it's not unique to zelda like a lot of the quote-unquote rpgs have this structure where you yeah. got a main quest and then at a certain point in the game you're allowed to depart from the main quest and do side quests yeah final fantasy almost always has a structure where you have to follow the main quest for a certain period of time and then you get these breaks where you can do side quests or not mm. um right and then some of these more open world games uh, that have come about in recent uh, recent decade uh, or so, ha- ha- they they tend to take that to a more extreme level where you yeah. can again, you know, like I, I was playing, I was really uh, obsessed with um, Horizon Zero Dawn for a little mm. while there, and it was one of those things where it's like you're basically following a main quest, then you get out of this, you, you kind of get past a certain point, and then you can just you know roll around the world and do side quests and you don't have to advance the story just like in breath of the wild and so on right and so like i I think one of the things that i like about that structuring uh and way you can kind of bounce from one to the other and i find in zelda it's a bit more extreme like i i feel like if you can more quickly get into side quests in zelda than you can often like there's less compulsion for the most part in those games to advance the main narrative yeah you know, and there's less requirements to advance the main narrative often as well. Like you can just skip things. Like you can skip items in Zelda. You can just not get certain items. It's not like Metroid or something where you have to do this to unlock this. You know what I mean? Like you, there's some of that in Zelda, but there's a lot of like just things you could just not get. Yeah. And, you know, uh, and there's a lot of like, your your ability to kind of just go on these side quests or completely ignore the side quests, uh, you know, is really uh, extreme. I feel in Zelda compared to a lot of similar games. Um, what I have always liked about it personally is it kind of becomes two games in one for me. And in okay. fact, in Zelda One, uh, you literally like it was the first. I mean, the other thing that blew my mind about the first Zelda was when you beat it, it just you unlock a whole second game. Yeah. Like they just modded it and it's, but it's, it's fundamentally totally different, you know, and you get like eight, it's like a, it was, it blew my mind. Like I couldn't believe how big the game was to start with. And then like, you literally have a whole new second game for me. What, you know? (laughs) And like, I don't feel like I haven't seen that again per se, but it has like that ability. It's, I feel like the side quest uh, um, side of it, it kind of like it lets you preserve the exploratory thing where you're just kind yeah. of looking around the world and just checking things out, uh, like you did could did in the first Zelda. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, you get the opportunity to have these to really go through a story uh, if you want to follow these main quests. You know, like, yeah. I, I've always liked the kind of bopping between them because if I ever get bored of like Zelda, I'll just switch what thing I'm doing. So like to me, it makes it more. It's 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 technically the same game and it's technically the same gameplay, but I think it it has the because it has the narrative, uh, the narrative quality is so yeah. different. It feels like you're kind of switching from one from this game to another game, 
even though you're still playing the same game. So to me, it, it yeah. has always kept it fresh for me. Like I would never get bored of it, Zelda. I just keep playing Zelda, but I just do it in a different way. Yeah, I th- I think this um this is one of the reasons why I find like Skyward Sword so interesting, so easy to hate, and so interesting to talk about. Uh, one of the complaints that I've seen people have online about Breath of the Wild is that it doesn't really have any dungeons, which isn't entirely true. The shrines are like mini it's dungeons. It's not, but it things. is, it but is also no... my complaint. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a lot part of, of the reason... Zelda dungeons, part uh, of except the reason... for the beasts. Yeah. Part yeah. of, I, I think people who have that complaint need to go and play Skyward Sword again. Uh, because if Breath of the Wild is kind of the oops, no dungeons edition of The Legend of Zelda, Skyward Sword is the oops, all dungeons um, uh, edition, where Skyward Sword, for all that kind of hand-holdy tutorialization, uh, what I think the central, pre- and all the kind of like experimentation with motion controls, the, th- the central thing that Skyward Sword wants to do because uh, it's just as interested in breaking the Zelda formula as Breath of the Wild is. Because the thing it wants to do is it wants to turn everything into a dungeon. So the overworld is a dungeon that you have to solve. It's like a giant spatial puzzle. The And then the dungeon. So it's like you have to, in order to get to the dungeon in each of the areas, you have to go through a whole dungeon. Um, so it's incredibly dense and thick. Um uh, and like it's exhausting because of that um and i think like for me one of the reasons why breath of the wild was so good uh, is it restored the thing that i liked so much about the wind waker uh where the wind waker is the first zelda game since Z- zelda one to feel kind of open where you go in any direction um, it's really it's really empty, which is another complaint about Breath of the Wild, because you're just sailing to these islands. You find them, and the island will have something neat you can do, or it'll have like a serious story thing that you have to do. Um, and I think like that kind of overworld exploration, it's weird because it's like the the two things that Zelda does are like the dungeon and the kind of exploratory overworld. Well, one is like a clockwork puzzle and the one is like the overworld. And I think Zelda should have both, but it's the, I I think people have a different idea of like how much of each they actually want in a Zelda game. I I often think like, it's interesting for you to frame it that way where like the overworld and that, Skyward Sword becomes a dungeon in a, manner, in, in a manner of speaking because there's two things that are kind of interesting to me in that. So one thing I would say, not knowing that game well, but one thing I would say that I always think about with the first Zelda and how I is, I, I just go back to the side quests yeah. and side of it. Since the first game, I think Zelda has been very invested in secrets. Mm. There are secrets in this game. You know, and the side quests are in some ways are just an extended form of secrets. Yeah. Um, and there's a level of which you don't need to figure out the secrets, but the I the game is sort of promising that there's secrets if you want to figure them out. Yeah. And one of the things that I remember 
what I realized with Zelda one, when I was playing it originally at a certain point, me and my, me and my brother were kind of playing it. And what we realized at one point was basically with maybe a handful of exceptions, basically every screen of that game has a secret on it. Mm. So there's, and again, this is almost every single screen. There's a rock you can push. There's a place you can blow up a, a rock to unveil a staircase. There's a thing you can burn down, uh, like a tree you can burn to unveil a staircase or something. Like there's basically more or less a secret on every screen. Yeah. And so what I realized, once I realized that, of course, it became like a question like, okay, well, let's just go screen by screen and figure out what the secret is. And the way that Zelda works, Zelda 1 works is like if you have the... um uh um like certain items that will only work once on the screen and then you have to leave the screen and come back yeah you know and so like i remember like i would literally like if, if there's like 20 trees i would go on the screen burn a tree go back come back burn another tree <laughs> like until you get the candle where you can burn multiple times on the screen like i would just go do that and like you know eventually it would unlock a a staircase and then it becomes a question of okay well what's down the staircase and it could be you, you get some money they take money from you <laughs> you know what i mean like or, or it could it, be a it, dungeon i think one of the it could dungeons be a dungeon you burn a random tree yeah so like it, it but it but it's it's one of those things where it's like really there's maybe 10 secrets you have to uncover to advance yeah. the game but there's like 200 secrets yeah in that respect and then uh, when we get into like uh, by the time you're up to like link to the past, it's there's some of that still, yeah. right? And uh, but there's also like some of those kind of secrets have really graduated narratively to becoming these side quests, yeah. Um, where you kind of like you know you have this little mini story that you could completely avoid or you could follow along, and then eventually as you kind of ask and Breath of the Wild, I think by the time you get to Breath of the Wild, like all those elements have started to uh, advance. But, but you you're you're not required to do a lot of it. Like it is like, but but again, like I beat the game Breath of the Wild, and and I I beat the game. I played it for 120 hours and did a ton of stuff. Got like yeah. you know most of the shrines. I still haven't been to 30 percent of the map. Yeah. And as you say, there's no need to in some ways because yeah. again, some people complain about this, but it's like you just don't need to go. There's like nothing there for like most of the map there just isn't anything but yeah. if you just you still just kind of have to go check it out to see yeah and there's sometimes weird surprises you know and like uh i'm always startled by how on one hand there's nothing but on the other hand there's like some little hidden thing you know yeah. if you just go to any part of the map yeah i'm amazed because like i know you said like your current playing of breath of the wild is you're just kind of going back to your save file I decided to start fresh. I set a bunch of rules for myself so the play experience would be different. But I but hearing you talk about like you're having that realization about Zelda 1 where it's like every screen has a secret. It's like that moment where you where you begin to kind of see behind the curtain a little bit. You're like, "Oh, here's how these game systems work." And it begins to it, it changes how you engage with the game. And I'm finding that in my playthrough of like my new playthrough of Breath of the Wild. Yeah,